everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is George and I'm here with my co-host Grant. Hello there music fans. And Liam. Hello everybody, welcome to Flawless. Each episode of Flawless, a host or a guest nominates an album they think is flawless and we discuss how they discovered it, what they love about it and what flawless means to them. We have a Facebook group. It's called Flawless Friends and Family. It's where we discuss all music things we love, that you love, and we post in there about upcoming episodes so you can talk about things before we are not before they are nominated. You can find the link in our show notes. And of course, we are a podcast. We have a Patreon. You can back us from as little as $1 a month, and that will get you access to our episodes early, and you can get bonus episodes from us and that warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting the podcasters that you love and adore. Yeah. Oh, what a nice, nice thing to say. And do. <laughs> and, uh, action. Let's see some action. Some action. Well, this is going to be my episode today. Woohoo! I'm bringing an album. Just the three of us was always cool. Yeah, yeah it is, isn't it? The In a o- while. OG, mm-hmm. right? OG. <laughs> so uh, OG. the OG for this, I'm bringing an album from 1994. It's a good vintage. Mm. Mm. Manic Street Preachers. The Holy Bible. This one's here, this one's here, this one's here. Everything's for sale. There you go. So, before we get started, this album, this episode rather, does come with a bit of content warning. The album that we're going to discuss uh, talks about quite a few confronting themes, sexual themes, uh, various other things that may not may feel uncomfortable for you. So, if that's the case for you, uh, we definitely recommend you check out one of our other episodes. Thanks, Liam. On yes. the show, George. Eating disorders is one of them in yes. particular. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. please, we have, other, we have over 100 episodes that you can go and pick and choose from. Yeah. And only like three of them have content warnings. There you go. We're probably more of them should, but that's all right. Yeah. We're trying to get better, so. We're getting better. Yeah. So this is the third of 14 albums mm-hmm. by the Manic Street Preachers of Welsh rock stars. Yes. Um, and it came out on 30th of August on Epic, in 94 on Epic Records. Mm-hmm. It went to number six in the UK, number nine in Scotland, number 48 in Japan, and also went gold. In the UK. Mm. But actually a bit of a downturn on their previous album. So like their album they had on before this had gone to number one in the UK, I think. And where the research I read said that it didn't chart as well as their previous stuff. So interesting. which is interesting. Well, they came full blown out with Generation Terrorists. That was the first one. That mm-hmm. was where they said, here we are. And they stamped their feet down and, then, and made their mark. And then Gold Against the Soul came out, the second album, and that just didn't quite have as much punch as the um, first one. Mm-hmm. So people were like, oh, maybe they're not all that or whatever. Because they mm-hmm. literally have a song on their debut album called You Love Us. Um, and they shout it at you and you're convinced. And at the end you go, okay. You've been hypnotised. Probably yeah. do. So super super yeah. liminal advertising. Yeah. You love yeah. us, buy our stuff. Yeah. 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 More, buy us. more. Buy more. You yeah. love well, whereas um, then they brought out the Holy Bible and people weren't sure what to make of it. And released mm. on the same day as definitely maybe. Oh. By Oasis. 
There we go. I did not know that. Now. That's cool. Saw that this morning, uh, which are quite very well, very different. Yes. Themes. So, George, how did you encounter Manic Street Preachers? What was it was, was this your first exposure? How do you how do you heard of them? So my first exposure was probably um, the video of Little Baby Nothing um, from Generation Terrorists, which had Tracy Lord, um, the um, porn star. Um, singing the vocals with James Dean Bradfield. And I remember, I didn't know she was a porn star, but I knew that she had a great voice and I recognised that from MTV. And then I didn't really know much about the Manics because um, I was like nine when this album came out. Um, but then um, in 96, or in 95, Radio Play started for a design for life. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So that came out and I was like what is this that song hit me um so i immediately went into my um, local cd shop compact disc correct shop. and i went and got um a design for life in 96 um and got obsessed with it i thought that was awesome then went back and um gold against the souls was in a cd shop for five pounds in the bargain bucket and I was like well I'll get that too because by this point by the time they got to their fourth album Gold Against the Soul people didn't care about so much that was, sure. that was the awkward second album mm. that they didn't like yeah. and then I moved on to getting um, the Holy Bible and I was set mm -hmm. so um, yeah so I kind of had a roundabout way of getting there but then I was set and I had the Holy Bible and uh, for the record um, of all the music that I'd been listening to so we're thinking I was listening to you know jazz and classical and everything and rock heavy rock metal even ska but the first time my mother ever said to me, will you turn that shit off, <laughs> was during the Holy Bible by wow. Manic Street Preachers. Okay. Nice. So there you go. And she's usually open-minded. So there we go. And you'd applied yourself to try to get that reaction yeah, that's... for a long time before yeah. then. It took me a or while, but I got there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I don't think she was interested in the Nuremberg trials. So, mm. um, yes, yeah. there we go. So... Um, Liam? Yes. I was going to ask, did oh. the album grab you? So the album grabbed you straight away. Yeah. Album yeah. Like yeah. first so, listen, you're just like, because you wouldn't have heard anything from it necessarily. Well, actually, what happened was I, um, so I got, I got to listen to um, A Design for Life, got really into that. And mm. then because that was their comeback mm -hmm. after Richie Edwards' disappearance, mm -hmm. um, uh, there was a, BBC Radio 1 um, documentary all about their um, history and all of their like music to date. And it was tracks from the Holy Bible were the ones that hooked me the most okay. out of the others. So Generation Terrorist, real slashy, kind of like, you know, love us, punky wankers. Um, Gold Against the Soul, a bit softer. Um, but then, yeah, the Holy Bible had all of these themes that I really loved because I loved mm -hmm. history at the time. So I was like, I'm, I want to know who all these people are. Yes. I want to know everything's going on in this. So when I actually got the Holy Bible, which wasn't in the bargain bin, I had to actually purchase that. Full price. Full price. I had to, um, I got that and I put it on straight away and I was like, okay, um, this is an album for me. So I would have, I don't know, been 
12, 13 at the time and mm-hmm. going, this is stuff that I'm really interested in. So, yeah, so it captured me the first time I properly nice. listened to a record. And always thought it was flawless? like From day one? From day one? From day one, yeah. yeah. Start to finish, I was just like, everything about this is so confronting mm-hmm. and it's making me think. Yes. And it um, it wasn't like the pop punk stuff that I was listening to, which was like, "Hey, girl, girl, I wish you'd noticed me." Yeah. Um, yeah. And stuff like that. Cool. It was very much of um, like it's basically an a, a musical PhD thesis um, where they've put down all of this historical stuff and all of this introspective stuff between um, Nikki and Richie, who wrote the lyrics. And then Sean and James wrote the music. Um, and uh, yeah, it was like listening to a thesis, mm-hmm. um, which for my little ears at that 12 time. 12-year-old years. Yeah, about then. Yeah, didn't Unreal. really Even piss. 14, I want to give you 16. That's like it's big, some big themes. Well, I had to go and research history. things. Like yeah. they talk. In the World Book Encyclopedia. Yeah, I'm interested in how you or looked up all this stuff. I, I, I had to look up all this stuff now, and it was like you still had to do pretty deep dives to find out what they were talking about. So I'm Absolutely. interested to see how you did it. Well, we have one of those full encyclopedia sets. Yeah. So I would go to the encyclopedia set, and then I would say to my mother, what's the, um, in one of the songs when they're referencing the Holocaust, um, what, what do they mean by poplar tree? What's a poplar tree? And she said a poplar tree is just a tall tree, blah, blah, blah. And then I had to look, and it was that the um, roads that lined up to the gates of Auschwitz were lined with poplar trees. Mm-hmm. So they had to know that to include in their poetry to turn mm. into lyrics. Mm. And then I had to kind of retro-find it out yeah. to find out the significance of why they would say poplar trees in a song about the Holocaust. Mm. So yeah, so it was um, a weird one. So um, it was flawless then. Um, I have annoyed many uh, partners yeah. by playing <laughs> it to them and they don't understand. Yeah. Um, and they're like, but you like hardcore punk or you like Scar or you like this. And mm. I'm like, yeah, but I also like something that makes me think that I'm an insignificant speck on this planet and everything around me is turning to shit. Mm-hmm. I've got not, and we're not learning from the history, no. learning from the past. And I, as I was doing the deep dive into this, um, I was like, we are still where we were yeah. in many respects. None of the stuff that he, they talk about through these songs is dramatic, like significantly better or fixed. Yeah. Like it's just the same, we're in the same scenarios mm-hmm. all over. Yeah. So, yeah. So you'd heard Liam of... I had definitely heard of the Manic Street Preachers, yes. So um, I was trying to piece together what my history was with mm. them and what the first thing I'd heard by them. So I definitely knew A Design for Life. Yes. That's the song I put on when I want to make myself cry because no matter what, that just song just makes me cry every time. I my booth gave us power. Yeah. <laughs> so can't can't help that. But a friend of mine in high school and my uni years really, really liked the Manic Street Preachers and they, I must have heard of them by then. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I talked to her about them, but I never actually sought out an album before. So I knew um, if you tolerate this, your children will be next. And the yes. album, This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours, which came out, this was, I think, two mm-hmm. after this one. And it was after A Design for Life. Yes. Yeah, also two Everything after, Must after, Go. Uh, yes. Two yeah, after this one. That's yeah. right. Everything Must Go then. Yeah. Everything so Must we Go. So I knew that one. And um, yeah, I was kind of surprised. Like, because I never really did a deep dive. I was kind of surprised that my friend liked the band who did that because it wasn't really her style of stuff. 
But now having listened to this album properly, it's like, oh, okay, now he probably liked this stuff more than what they became mm-hmm. later. So, but I'd never listened to an album all the way through before. So this was my first time for that. First time. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Wow. You obviously had heard of Manic Street Preachers. Obviously. No, yes, yes, I had. Um, because of um, Everything Must Go. Big, big album in 96, I think I just read there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was first year university, 97. So everything is, you know, there's toga parties, there's garden parties, there's parties for not having a party and parties for the sake of parties. Rowing before, post, just drinking, really, rowing. And the main Street, that album in particular, um, was huge. So mm-hmm. I would have listened to it end to end okay. um, through someone's video, uh, cassette um, um, tape on, nice. on the drive to from, from Gramstown to Port Alfred, no doubt, and back up, um, and at various gatherings. And it was, yeah, it was a huge album, certainly in my circle of friends. Um, and then if you tolerate this, which was a couple of years after that, yeah. mm-hmm. um, that, was, that was a big single as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had heard of them, never heard this album though. Okay, so you didn't, never went backwards? No. Well, again, 97, I had like, flip it, I think I had like $100 and I had to drink. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to buy music with that. <laughs> like, you know, cheese. So, no, no, I didn't um, didn't regret And I never owned it. I, I, I found them, you know, they're, they're not necessarily, uh, well, certainly this album as well. It's not a fun album. And, no. You know, you know, the reference to the crying, I, you know, <laughs> they can tug. Like, it's, ser- it's a serious um, and we've got the, the content warning, which we mm, should have. So, yeah, yeah um, I'd heard of them, and but I wouldn't have actively sought out to listen more to it because it's, it's serious, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, you know, Kevin Carter and, um, and Australia from, the, from um, Everything Must Go were, were big, ha- big Okay, tracks, you know, cool. So, yeah. Nice. Oh. So, George, did you want to take us through the lineup of the band yeah. at this point and then after this point? And what happens? Yeah. Do we know what happens? Does anyone ever? So, um, at this point in the band, uh, James Dean Bradfield is lead vocal, lead and rhythm guitar and production. Sean Moore is his cousin because uh, they're in Wales um, <laughs> and he played drums so and does production. Nicky Wire, or Nickers as we like used to call him because he okay. always put his um, wore a skirt and would put his foot up on the monitor so you could look up his skirts. We used nice. to call him Nickers Wire. Um, uh, but they were Nickers. He, used so to, he wore something, yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, that, um, a lot of guys in Kilstone. He played bass um, and was production. And um, Richie Edwards, um, who is Richie James, uh, was uncredited as rhythm guitar, uh, but for but credited for sleeve and production. So he's uncredited because he started off basically as their roadie and just had a really big idea for what the band should look like, what they should sound like. And he had an idea, like a vision for what the Manic Street Preachers stood for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they brought him into the band but when they played live, he wasn't even plugged in. Right. He was um, he was just thrashing about on a guitar, looking beautiful most of the time, um, and not even plugged in all the time. So just to clarify, because uncredited normally means they did it, but they don't get the credit. In this case, it's the opposite. It's like it's he didn't play the guitar. He gets credit on the album liner notes as but he didn't play as the guitar. 
from, but, he, but he didn't play it. So from the documentary, yeah. basically, he showed up to the studio. He would lie down. He would open a beer and have a coffee, drink more beer, and then go through that process. Mm. So he wasn't, I think, by uncredited, it's like, I don't think he actually played on this. No. I think James yeah. played all the parts, mm. but Richie formed an integral part of the band. And yes. And... At this point, they couldn't have been who they were if he wasn't in the band. And had a big hand writing the lyrics too. Like that was a big part of what he was Yeah, so he well. wrote in this and uh, it was... Nikki had said that um, it would usually be 50-50. Mm-hmm. But on this album, he said it's 70-30. So it's 70% Richie's lyrics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had subsequent album that I forgot to write their name on where they just took leftover lyrics of Richie after he passed mm-hmm. and they wrote music to his lyrics. Yeah. But James wow, would go I, okay. James would take these lyrics off of Richie and Nicky and say, What the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> and then he would write music to yeah. their poetry. Yeah. There's yeah, I, there's a bit of a feel for that. There's a bit of a feel sometimes like the words in the music. Like he's jamming a lot of words into the music and it, the vocal patterns don't quite fit the, the music patterns, mm-hmm. like even just in terms of tempo and, mm-hmm. and general brute, like beats and stuff because he's just trying to squeeze all these words that he's been handed in, which is, yeah, interesting. And definitely, like, back then, certainly, I would have thought of as, like, most bands, like, it's the lead singer. The lead singer is, like, the main person. Like, they generally do the song, do the, the bulk of the songwriting. Yeah. They're, they're the front piece. They're the ones who does the interviews, that sort of <laughs> stuff. So it's really interesting to go, here's a lead singer who doesn't write any of the songs lyrically like it's yeah normally it's sort of a lead singer who's got lyrical and music ideas and then other people get in there with them but in this case it's just like he's just being handed stuff and having to force it not force it but having to make it work make it yeah yeah definitely very different i think to how most bands do it well i used to collaborate with my old um like guitarist singer so i would write some lyrics and stuff and send them to him and he would pick up bits that he liked and mm. then he would put it to bits of music and then I'd like that bit of music and I'd add a bit of music and we kind of like do a back and forth. Iterative process. Yeah, yeah mm. like that kind of thing. Waterfall, agile. Agile. All agile. of those things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's their, that was their process of um, actually um, putting things together. Mm. Um, sadly, um, six months after this album was released, uh, Richie Edwards has disappeared. Mm-hmm. He uh, took himself to the Seven Bridge, which is a known yeah. suicide spot, um, and he left his car, his passport, his keys, and he left them all in the car. But then the car was marked as abandoned, but then the police had come back and at some point had found evidence of somebody having slept in the car, yeah. whether that was him or someone else. Also read mm-hmm. that. And then they found um, evidence of things being removed and they didn't know really what to do. Um, his family didn't want to declare him dead because there had been so many sightings of him in so many different parts of the world. And um, he had a lot of money at his disposal um, and there had been sightings all over the world. Um, but he eventually was um, declared um, dead by the state. Um, 2008? 2008. Yeah, yeah. a long time later. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But once again, no actual proof no, to suggest didn't. exactly what's happened. So every possibility he, you know, 
in air of positivity, that's his every chance that he's still out there. Well, there are Just still forums being... that yeah. will post sightings and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So, so. yeah, hopefully. Um, but he was going through a disagreement with his partner at the time and um, overwhelmed by the um, everything that he had to do in the band at the time mm-hmm. and with his drug and alcohol um, addictions. And he had severe anorexia. Um, he actually... Um, his, we'll talk about his um, four stone seven pounds. Mm. Um, he actually only weighed thirty kilograms as a human being, mm. and he's taller than me. I'm fifty five kilograms, and people call me a slim woman. Mm. And so he was really anorexic, and uh, talks about it in this album. Um, and it's called four stone seven pounds. Because that is the medically defined limit they believe a person can survive on. And if you drop below that, they don't believe you'll survive. So he clearly investigated at his own anorexia nervosa mm-hmm. to that extent that he wrote that entire song about it. Yeah. So four stone seven pounds is 63 pounds, which is... 63 28 kilograms. 28 kil- yeah, 28 yeah. kilograms. Yeah, so it's 63 pounds. So just ran that through Google. So it's, yeah, 28, 28 kilos, which is, yeah, like a crazy small weight for anyone to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like, uh, I mean, we can talk about that one now. We probably won't have time to go through every song mm. because every song, like you said, is a thesis and it's like there's a massive amount of deconstruction you can do on every single song. But definitely that's a really confronting one. And I guess really obvious right from the start, like what it's about, like it talks about, you know, competitive dieting and people. And there was a tweet that was going around yesterday about a, from or last couple of days about a company that's the guy was saying, we've started a competitive weight loss program at my company. It's really awesome. We've all got these BMIs and everyone, our, Such a bad our team BMI is 25.5. So we're on a challenge to get it to 25. And if we do it, we're going to give them all a month off and do all this stuff. And it's just like, wow, it's just the same thing. Like, and you know, obviously he's getting smashed on Twitter because BMI is a long discredited measure of long, health long. by any, like, and he even said, oh, even in the thread, he even ended up going, oh, I know BMI that is controversial, but we're just using it as a starting point. It's like, well, don't. Like, there's heaps it's of ways. rubbish you're starting gonna, point. Yeah, there's heaps like, of ways you can encourage your employees to be healthier without holding them to a mark and forcing them all into one kind of... It, like, and totally healthy, irregular. Health I mean, totally, mix, yeah. like I said, long discredited yeah. metric. But it's the same thing we talked about at the start. Like, it's just the same thing. There's all this pressure on people. Mm-hmm. Well, at that time, I had anorexia nervosa, which I don't have now, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but listening to it and listening to those lyrics, I was just like, he knows exactly mm. what that process is. Yeah. And he knows how that person feels and how they look at themselves and the hypocrisy of all the people around them saying, you should eat more whilst they deny themselves to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of the fashion models and all of the high-end labels and stuff promoting mm. unhealthy body image and how that, like, she is triggered by all of those things, plus triggered by a Kit Kat, like a chocolate bar. And she just looks down and she says, this discipline's so rare, so please applaud. Lyric buddies. I've, yeah. I've got the whole paragraph that that's in, but yeah. Do that's, the whole that's paragraph. The same thing. Do the whole paragraph.
so it's yeah it's just that mental place that you get to and it's I've, interesting that you said that he had it himself as well i didn't realize that because all the names he uses in the story of the song are all women's names so it's mm-hmm. all like diane says this and kate says this so it's obviously i think it's something that affects women probably more so than men but it's interesting that he was writing it from his perspective but then he gender switched it into a story probably about a woman who's experiencing these feelings well he yeah he he says um that fourth stone Stephen is an epilogue of youth because mm. that's when we're trained we're, yeah we're trained up to have that perfect image mm. so yeah that's a powerful one yeah and it's still painful for me to listen to yeah it's yeah and as someone who's never experienced anything like that at all it's painful for me to listen to, like it's just knowing that that's around in so many people's heads and it's just like i just want to like reach in there and get it out of their heads and be like it's so like no this is terrible and we've got to we've got to do better yeah which is probably why I'm not like a psychologist because I just want to reach into your head and fix it. Mm. It's probably not the, not the best thing to be. <laughs> reach in and fix yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just going to reach in your head and fix you. How does that sound? So if we go to the very beginning of your album. Yes. You right. had, yes. George. Um, you hadn't listened to this album he, before. He, do, he drops the C word, George. I, I say I say a lot of swears, but I don't say the C word. And he drops the C word in the first two lines of the album. Which C word, Liam? The C, that's you, you're hearing me say it. The C word is what I'm going to say. That's it. Okay. I'm not, gonna, I'm not actually going to say it. Other people can say it if they want. I have no concern with other people saying it if that's their choice, but I don't like that word. So no, I'm that's fine. It. I'm not going to say it. Yeah. I have other bits that I like. Um, but well, um, it's the first... The, the first... people probably heard it because when I dropped it in at the start of the song, it, like, it gets straight into it. So the people mm. probably heard him say it on the Already. intro of the episode. So we, can, we don't have to repeat it. Okay. So um, this uh, starts with an opening quote from a documentary called Hookers, Hustlers, Pimps and Their Johns about selling women. And that's the opening quote for the album. And then it jumps into this, like, the band coming together, sweet melody, James is singing, vocals jump up and everything, weirdly optimistic chorus with, like, running vocals. Um, And, yeah, this is, like, where he's got fuzzy guitar and it's really nice bass lines, and um, it's like somebody surrounded by all this horror and is internalising some of it and just a portrayal of the of the sex industry, of capitalism, mm. of everything. Like, it's yeah. Just, it's like, this is how they open the album. Like, yeah. we're back. And, like, just everything's for sale at the right price. Yeah. Like, you, no matter what, if you've got money, no matter what you want, you can you get buy it. buy anything. Yeah, pretty Plus much. Lots, lots of sense. So there's, yeah, it's got that vocal sample as well. So there's lots of those throughout the album as well, mm-hmm. which is like yeah, lots of those. Sometimes it could have felt a little bit too pretentious, but I think the quotes here work so well and tie into the themes of the album so well that it just works really well. And he says in that one. It's like, oh, like these smacked out women in like brothels and stuff you're like it's just really the way they the guttural lyrics just mm. kind of, you can just see these cd motels and yeah. stuff like that yeah so yeah this <sighs> a perfect intro to the album though this is like all their their absolute great skills just summed up so like that withering worldview sarcastic snarky delivery really fast lyrics a really cool instrumentation behind them as well like some really cool punchy guitar move the guitar moves around a fair bit so we'll talk about the different styles as we go but it's yeah 
they definitely don't stick in terms of the music. They don't stick to one style as the, as the album goes through. Through this so album, they no, sort of pick up lots not. of different styles. Yeah, oh, they do. They mesh do. them to, like not just like this is the one metal song or it's this is like the one theme, reggae no. song or anything. It's like, but they just take little pieces and little executions and merge them all together, which is interesting. So it merges like grunge and clash era punk and then Britpop mm. and all this other stuff. And if you told someone that's what you were going to do before you did it, they, they might think you were joking or they might think you were going to do it in a lighthearted kind of way. But they do it so straight faced that it works. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter that it's different parts. It always feels like them. It always has a style that's theirs. These kids are smart mm-hmm. too. So like I know Richie had a two one from Uni of Swansea in political history. Yeah. Which is why that comes through in quite a lot of the things they they talk about dictatorships quite a lot in um in warship like like in all of the different ones. Um but they have um, one of the longest uh, dr- uh, titles of a track. Mm-hmm. If track two. Two. Yeah, track two. Yeah. If white America told the truth for one day, its world would fall apart. Isn't that so cool? Ooh. I don't know why. I don't know why you make it all lowercase and no spaces. You could have just said that as a regular song. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. What the hell? And it starts with the GOP. Yes. Like grand like a old party. Thing. Yeah. And but that's... yeah, the slidey guitar, mm. really chunky Great track. Yeah. And there, it's got like it's about the US and like how the US pop culture invades all other like pop cultures, and then tries to position the US as perfect. But then when you look at what they're doing in the world, they're actually not like they're terrible for the for the world in general. They need to just like their actual US culture has no ethics behind it. So you've got like the vocals with like that really punk sneer on it, and the drums has like a real Marshall beat, like it's a college yeah. standing band, like they've like a traditionally US kind of. More, a more US kind of sound is just, yeah. And then these chunky guitar pops as well. And they talk about the Brady Bill, about the ladies in the handgun validation. Like, and Zapruder, who was that witness to the JFK shooting, mm. and like how like, he became famous in this one song as well. And you're like, this is just there picking on all these dits of American culture and mm. merging it together into one track. Yeah. But this is one of those ones where they have. There's so many lyrics, they have to overlap them. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit where he says, conservatives say there ain't no black in the Union Jack. Democrats say there ain't enough white in the Stars and Stripes. Mm. But they don't have time to put conservatives say and Democrats say. So they just get that to layer over the top. And by the time you get to the end of conservatives say, he's already halfway through the line of what they say. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't have time to put that in. Someone else sing that bit and I'll just go in with what they say. Because it's so yeah. many lyrics all jammed in together. And when they do it live, if Nikki does those back and both. Makes vocals. sense. Yeah. So he'll just go, say. Live. We forgot to ask at the start. Have you seen mm. them live, George? Yes, I am. Nice. Wait, 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 wait. Oh yeah, my when, God. When? Um, so How many I've, times? I've seen mm. them in London, um, at, I think the Astoria and uh, somewhere else. So um, I think I started, I think the first time I saw them, I was probably like 13, 14. And the last time I saw them, I would have been um, about 17, 18. And um at music festivals and then two in london so i've probably seen them about six times nice um so festivals wow. and like house shows where it's just been them they've been the lead act yeah festivals and like two big mm-hmm. big shows cool um so um yeah really good so good live mm-hmm. um james dean bradfield is uh, an absolute powerhouse you'd have to be oh there's so much st- there's so much stuff he has to get through that's what i was thinking yeah. about these like how there's so many lyrics and I think sometimes about performing and stuff and like how if a band goes on long enough, like um, 
R.E.M., Michael Stipe, mm. he sometimes has lyrics for stuff come up on a screen and it's because his band has 20 albums and he's not mm. necessarily going to be able to remember the songs, the words for every song that they've ever put out. But I was thinking about like performing this one. I was like, there must be so much stuff in his head. Like even one song has like three times the lyrics of most songs by other bands and he's got to remember all of these and, you know, set orders and playing the guitar at the same time. That's, yeah, it's in- insane point. to me. And then you've got Nicky Wire, who just runs around like a little show pony. <laughs> He's always like dressed up, super glam, doing in something or other. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and he he moves around a lot more, but um, they're so good. They're mm. just um, the energy that they have on stage is obviously incredibly powerful. So yes, I've seen them live. But I'm assuming neither of you have seen them live. No. No, I don't. Yep. I don't know if they've come. They probably. I feel like they definitely came to Australia for like a big day out or a live it or something yeah, back in the nineties. But I think it might have been before my time going to those festivals or even knowing who they were. So yeah, I've not seen. But would like to now that I've seen this. I think it'd be a really great show. Oh. I'm interested to see though. You haven't seen them for a while because they'd obviously be. You know, they've obviously been in the band now for thirty years. As, yeah. As they get a bit older, maybe they're slowing down a little bit. That's maybe true. some of the songs are. Of a Miller. Yeah, or they're picking more mellow songs. Maybe they only play a couple off this, whereas maybe in the past they would have been able to yeah. play, play like most of these songs. Um, can we just say that in we're talking about cramming words yes. into um, something, in Mausoleum, mm-hmm. um, track eight, um, he does vocals into singing uh, with some harmonies, but then that's the bit that starts with... I have no idea how he puts all the. I couldn't even write all those words no. down, yeah. <laughs> let alone put them all into one breath. Mm. Like, and it just sounds effortless for him. He's just like he just powers it and powers it and hammers it through, and it's just such an incredible thing to listen to. Yeah, the delivery of a lot of this stuff. I didn't. I wasn't able to listen to many of the lyrics to identify many of the lyrics till I actually went and sat down and looked them yep. up online. Because like, like, and then like listening to them, I'm like, I would never have got that because. Half the words here and half the words part of the next beat, and it's I'm only listening. Yeah, I'm listening to it in a way that's more traditional, and he's just like, "No, do not give a fuck about traditional delivery. I'm just going to jam the words in and different highs where the word expect to be lows and all that sort of stuff." So yeah, it's and keeps this Welsh accent. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah, Grant, so- did you have any favourites? Well, I think the first four tracks are great, eh? Mm-hmm. Up to of walking abortion is great. She's oh, suffering. Great, abortions. great, great. Um, really, um, and then towards the, the end, that die in the summertime, cool lyrics, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, and and PCP, wow, bookended, yeah. yes, and and yeah. PCP were like, <sighs> of walking abortions is so cool. Like the dark, yeah. the darkest song on yeah. a really like, except maybe for the the four stone seven, but just in yeah. terms of a lot of the imagery, the darkest song on like a really dark album. And Nicky Wire said about it. There's a worm in human nature that makes us want to be dominated. Like that's where he's, this song comes from. Is like he's just like he's. They're trying to you know get people to see things and trying to rise up and start revolutions and stuff. And you just can't do it because people just don't respond yeah. to that sort of stuff at all. It's so 
just like really dark. And yeah, and they are just listing dictators. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like, every but everyone's responsible. Like, yes. It's not just up to these individuals. We're no, up. no. System. Systemic. It is systemic. Did yeah. you know where the phrase walking abortion came from? No. no. So Valerie Jean Salinas is a lady who once tried to kill Andy Warhol. She shot him, she shot another person and tried to kill a third person. She'd written a thing called the Scum Manifesto, which was an anti-male, anti-man tirade. And she said, the male is a biological accident. The Y male gene is an incomplete X female gene. That is, it has an incomplete set of chromosomes. In other words, the male is an incomplete female, a walking abortion, aborted at the gene stage. To be male is to be deficient, emotionally limited. Maleness is a deficiency disease and males are emotional cripples. There you go. How do you? How does that make you feel? <laughs> um, I can see why somebody would reach that position, even though I don't necessarily. Agree. I, th- I think the problem with that definition is it doesn't allow the capacity to change, change. and grow. So yeah, if, exactly. if, if if that's true, then we should all be stuck in cages. And she probably thinks that we should be. And that's the same thing when it's like when when people talk about ah. Oh, Women shouldn't walk alone at night because what do they expect guys to do? No, or we shouldn't wear, if, wear that short skirt yeah. or dress like us. If that's true and guys can't be controlled, we shouldn't be roaming free. Like if we literally, if that's a biological impulse to do those things, those terrible things, we should be locked away or in cages or, you know, we shouldn't be allowed to live. But it, so, yeah, I appreciate that obviously some stuff's happened to her and she's seen things that has she's adopted this position. Yeah. But I just don't think it allows that capacity to go actually... We can, we can be better. We can make it the world better. And if we can't make the world better, then we should all just fucking go and die in a ditch because otherwise, what's then what's the point? Fair. Yeah. Thank there you, you for your TED Talk, <laughs> Liam. Yeah. There you go. Just, yeah, this has been my opinion. Everyone wanted to know my opinion on Valerie Jean Solanus' Scum Manifesto and now the world has it. There you go. Yeah. And it starts with Hubert Selby Jr. who wrote a Requiem for a Dream mm. talking about... Uh, something about our own vomit, which is, uh, I believe, which is very nice. Yeah. Um, so, yes. How about you, Liam? Songs on here? Um, well, Of Walking Abortion was my favourite. PCP is awesome, but we'll come it to is. that at the end. Um, I'd heard, as, as I listened to it, I'd heard Faster. Yeah. Because it's a single. First single. So, yeah, it was one of the singles. But like I said, I, I don't remember hearing any of this stuff on the radio, so don't ask me where I heard where Faster. Heard, yeah. But as I was listening to it, I was like, I know, I know this one. Yeah, just... Almost like American-esque skate punk in the music side, but then super still, they're super intellectual stuff. And so almost a bit cool and response. When yes. I am mm. an architect. They call me a butcher. Yeah. I am a pioneer. They call me primitive. I am purity. They call me perverted. Mm. How dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so and it ends with that repeated reprieve of so damn easy to cave in, man kills everything. So that's the same thing again of like, it's just easy to get into what everyone says it is, but we've actually got to try and be better and mm-hmm. try and make things better, which is what I took from a lot of this album, but I'm not sure that was what the band Intent thinks. Or the, the band's just like, no, everything's fucked. And I'm like, everything's fucked, so let's make it better. And they're like, no, nah. everything, everything's just fucked. Just, <laughs> everything's fucked, but we're making no, we, we haven't decided yeah. what we're going to do about it. <laughs> yeah, we like making music and this is what we've decided to do, so that's fine. So Revolve, their second yes. single. Revolve so, I also loved. Yeah, so that's that reverby guitar, punchy and jumpy. Mm. So this is one that you jump along to. You don't just stand there in a daze going, what have I done? Yes. Um, so, yeah. So this is, uh, they literally, I think, I, I, 
don't quote me, but they list the Soviet leaders in order um, and sexualize like stuff around mm. their their political figure. That's pretty much the entire lyrics is like the name of a leader. And I think I'm not sure if it's just the Soviets, but if it's Soviets and some other European and that sort of stuff. Yeah, move on. Yeah, it's like yeah. name, sexual thing, name, sexual thing, which I couldn't pick out. Like when I was listening to it, this is why I can't couldn't tell the lyrics. Like I have no mm. idea what they're saying with the name of, like, if it's someone's name, I'm not going to be able to pick that out. So I see it written down on the screen. I'm like, ah, oh, now I get it. One point when I was listening to this album with my partner around, which he doesn't usually do, he hides. Um, but he said, what language are they singing in? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Welsh. Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was just like, he literally couldn't comprehend mm. from one end of the yeah, sofa to the other. Super hard. Yes, which is good. Um, but did you... Uh, so one thing that is horrifyingly dark and I latched onto, which is over six minutes long, is the intense humming of evil, mm -hmm. which is the second to last track. Yeah. And I'm so glad it's not the last track because I would have ended in a ditch yeah. somewhere. <laughs> um, but um, it's, it's like... got opens with quotes from the Nuremberg trials. So this is a point where my mother's at breaking point, just yeah. going, okay, I've had <laughs> enough of this. Um, but it's so dark and gloomy that these industrial sound effects mm. and this almost chain gang rhythms that are hammering like behind. And James is crawling um, his vocals over, like dribbling his words mm. as opposed to singing them at this point. Um, until he starts singing about six million screaming souls. Fucking <laughs> hell! So it so it's like almost Nine Inch Nails esque, which is mm. the touch point for most industrial stuff these days. But I I found it. So this is six and a half minutes long, and then the song just before it, actually the song before it's not a great example, but one of the shorter ones where they're like three minutes and fast and punchy. So normally like a six minute song means you'll have like a really long verse or a really long chorus or a really long break or something. The Intense Hum of Evil doesn't have that. It's just one of their other songs just all stretched out. Mm. So it's got the same amount of verse and chorus as a regular song, but everything just happens at a slower speed so that the time ends up taking longer. It's really cool. Yeah, and it kind of makes you on edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really angsty and, yeah. Nervous, Very much so. The intro, for mm. sure. Like, yeah. Because you have Die in the Summertime, which is, like, almost okay. Like It's like life. the emo gothy song. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Emo Goffy song, um, and then he because so he's saying like, um, but then at the end he says, I want to die. Mm. And ends it there. That's yeah. where he finishes the sentence. Yeah. I'm like, okay. L lyric buddies, I've got that exact mm. one written down from the guy <laughs> in the summertime. Yeah, it's just that emo gothy, like dark imagery, spit of self-harm stuff in there. And it, like he even talks about like scraping himself with a nail, but it healed. Yeah. And it's like he's, disappoint yeah. he's disappointed that it that it healed and it like does it, it's not a permanent scar or fixture. It's just, yeah, really dark stuff throughout the album. Well, which he actually did some really um, messed up things about. Um, he was being interviewed backstage after they just performed for um, um, a gig. And Steve Lamack, who's this like really big like BBC Radio 1 um, like music like producer and um, interviewer and everything, said to him, come on, girl, this can't all be real. Like, you're this, ho this is a whole act. It's mm. just a big act. It can't be real. It can't be real. And he was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And Richie just like 
smashed a bottle and carved the number four and the word real into his arm and started bleeding all over the floor with the word for real. Mm. I saw a picture that. In front of Steve, like Steve Lamack. And um, in, in front of Krauss, there's hundreds of pictures of these things because he said, how dare you ask me if I'm for real? Mm. But so. that's, that's the thing, right? Like it's, it can't be for real because you're a giant world-beating superstar. Mm. But that's not the way mental health stuff works. No. And we, know, we no. know that the more we hear about stuff, the more we know that is like people in the highest highs and the ones you think have got everything it would be on a, on a you know, cloud, they can't beat their brains and their brains just, you know, so it's just, yeah. Not, not necessarily guaranteed happiness being superstar and popular and, and having lots of money. Yeah, that doesn't no. cheer people up, for no. sure. Yeah. You can have all sorts of complex disorders and you could be adored and sometimes that adoration can feed into that self-loathing yeah. mm-hmm. and make the whole thing worse. Yeah. So it's just a shame, like, what whoever could have been there or whatever could have been done mm. or, or never know what happened. Yeah, but. it's sort of... you. You don't want to go like I'm absolutely not saying someone should have done something. Yeah. But if someone's handing me the lyrics in this album, like I'm definitely going, yeah, Ricky, yeah, are you? You know, what can we do? What are you okay? What's a you know? And the services for mental health are terrible now, and I'm sure they were even worse back in '94. Mm-hmm. But it's just yeah, if someone's handing me stuff like this, I'm definitely thinking, yeah, I you know, we need to get this person some help and do what we can. And I'm sure they tried as much as they mm, could. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's um, one thing I think was really, really important was they gave it a couple of years and then they released Everything Must Go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they released a design for life first. And it wasn't like this is a song in homage to mm-hmm. Richie. Yeah. This isn't an album in homage to Richie. They just released an album. And it was so uplifting, inspiring, with some great tracks and everything like that. And it was almost like saying, we it's like going from Joy Division to New Order. And they did that transition really well, mm-hmm. um, which I was very grateful for because when I got their whole... Because uh, obviously I got their backstory after I mm-hmm. heard, um, like, everything must go. So yeah. it was really good to know that they did that in such a good way. And yeah, like I said, it doesn't finish the album. So the album finished on PCP. Yeah. So it goes out with like a really punchy, great track, pure like almost pop punk number. So this is this could have been on the first record. Okay. Cool. Or on, nice. or on the, the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, except the content of the song is way too dark for pop punk. Like pop punk has to be about girls and you know fun stuff and like not necessarily really serious of the mega themes. But this one is just yeah way too dark for to be an actual pop punk song, but still executed yeah. that way, which is really cool. Super fast, super fast pattern with really quick drums, chorus big bouncy, just total sing along. Um, so TCP the drug, mm-hmm. TC police constable, PC yeah. politically correct, mm-hmm. just like interpret it as you want. Yep. Um, uh, harmonies over the final verse and um. Uh, it's just got um So I can definitely talk to that if you're fat don't get ill thing because luckily I've got better people now but I'm a heavy person and the doctors that I used to see I would go there for like a headache or a sore throat or whatever and they'd be it's because you're fat just, 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 just fix that. Good. Which is, and there's a whole other story which I won't get into. Okay, short story. Every time I went to the doctor, he'd say it was because you're fat, and he'd take my blood pressure. 
my blood pressure is really good, especially for a heavy person. Like my blood pressure has always just been normal. So you take it every time. It wouldn't say, oh, it's a problem because he's fat. And they just go, okay, now we'll actually fix what's wrong with you. One day I go to a different doctor. I'm having issues that might actually be blood pressure related. And he goes, oh, I'll take your blood pressure. And he says, oh, he looks in the records and says, oh, did anyone else ever take your blood pressure before? And I'm like, yeah, literally every time I come here. And they're like, yeah, he didn't write down any of the results. What? So every time he took my blood pressure, because it didn't say Liam's too fat, he just didn't write down the results, which meant the new guy didn't have anything to compare it to when he took my blood pressure for a thing that could have been blood pressure related. Yeah. <sighs> Rock and roll. So, yes. Wow. Problem in 1994, according to the Main Street Preachers, still a problem now. Heavy people, fat people do not get adequate medical treatment. Absolutely. And people with mental health problems do not do get, not get mm. medical treatment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone get adequate medical treatment? Um, no, and there is still problems um, with war and dictatorship. Yes, um, and fascism. And, and fascism. Yeah, absolutely. People rising up, rising up, and uh, yeah. yeah, or not rising up as they should be. And it, uh, body dysmorphia, eating yeah. disorders. Yeah. that's still Rhymes. prevalent. So. Haven't fixed it. So, um, but you know, it's nightfall to now, and yeah. um, we can just relate to the contents of this yes. and go. Yeah, some of this is history, um, but um, no, we haven't learned. No. George, did you have any final mm. songs or thoughts before you go into your final pitch? Uh, well, I'd love to talk about all the songs, obviously. We, but we're I not was thinking coming in, we could have done an entire episode about one song, yeah, like any given song have. on this album, we could have mm. picked apart like line by line. Absolutely. And I found a website that did it. So if anyone wants that, there's a website when I was looking up Shout info out. about the things and it's just like, you know screens and screens so like every every song on the album every line in the album and now here's an essay about what this line means and here's a line about the something bill the brady brady bill yeah and here's a line about what this you know this leader who's like a czechoslovakian leader who rose up in a coup and then was over it's less like yeah you can find stuff like it's this website was amazing but well too much way too much but yeah awesome okay so um that is a lot of information yes. and um, the great thing is I did do a huge deep dive when I um, got access to the Main Street Preachers. So um, yeah, so 96, I was um, listening to that and then I went backwards. So let's say by the time I'm 13, I'm hooked on the Holy Bible mm-hmm. right? and I'm kissing my mother off for the first time. I am thrilled. Job done. <laughs> I, yeah, Achieved. What every absolutely every y- young I've, daughter I've, wants to do. I have been pushing boundaries for my entire life, and her indifference has been pissing me off. And now I finally found something that I can play at full volume and um, can genuinely grind her gears. She's just um, been here. Did you play it for her now? Uh, no, I forgot. I'll send it to her under the title of Peggy Lee's Greatest Hits <laughs> and, and see if she has Very good. some memories. Um, so no, so I came into the Manics um, where they were coming to pretty much with the optimism um, of, I say optimism, like loosely of a design for life because it mm-hmm. has strings. So, um, like, this album doesn't have strings. This is just the raw band. And mm-hmm. um, I came into them. I heard them. I went backwards. I found all their stuff. And this is the album that hooked me. Um, I owe them a huge amount because they wrote lyrics on subject matters which were well beyond the knowledge base of a 13-year-old girl. Cool. And so that caused me to be very curious and I had to research all about Soviet leaders and the Holocaust 
and stuff that I wasn't learning at school. Wow. And I was learning about police brutality. And I was learning about my own anorexia and understanding that too. And, and hearing a man singing about a condition that I was going through that I hadn't spoken to anyone about. That was, con- that was really, really interesting. Cathartic almost. I sure. I listened to it plenty. Um, then I was like, okay, I know I'm emotionally attached to this album because of um, things like that. But what they owe me is all of that research paid off. Because when I was 13, I had 19-year-old friends who wanted to invite me to go rock club to rock clubs. And you had to be 18 to go to a rock club. And so I'd get there, and I've got no ID, but I'm with a bunch of guys who are like 19 years old. And they're like, do you have any ID? And I'm like, oh, no, I haven't got it through yet. And they're like, oh, well, how old are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm 19. I'm studying at Sussex University. I'm doing political history. And they're like, oh, really, political history? Well, what are you doing at the moment? And I was like, Soviet leaders. Um, and then I would start listing. I was like, and, and I would start talking about, like, <laughs> different um, fascists mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then they would look at me and go, oh, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Just just go on in. Yeah, no one who's 13 could know all that stuff. Absolutely. So genuinely, it was Manic Street Preacher's lyrics gave me the power to get into an over-18 nightclub. And also, all those people I was hanging out with thought I was going to uni and doing political history, when in fact, I was like in grade 10. So um, yeah, so that's something that I owe them for. But the album is musically put together by an incredible cousin duo, who have taken the lyrics and poetry of some of the most well-crafted and complicated minds that I can think of, of Nikki and Richie, and they have turned it into this masterpiece. And they have the goal of calling it the Holy Bible mm-hmm. for the controversy of yeah. that, which is impressive. And for me, the content and the musicianship stands the test of time. And it's still on rotation. I desperately want to share it with people. It's not an easy listen, but I think it's an interesting one. And it's one that everyone should have at least once in their life. So that is why I proposed Manic Street Preachers, the Holy Bible, as flawless. And I shall pass the baton over to Liam, because he was looking at me first. (laughs) Sweet. Um, Yeah, so this was, like I said, my first full listen to an album. And like I said, I listed all the genres before. Like it just, it takes all these musical genres that are like similar, but just a little bit different. But it's not like some bands where it'll be like, this is that song, this is that song. Like it takes little pieces of it and merges it together into like this really awesome whole. And like you said, George, it's like knowing how it's put together is like these two guys who are making the music and this Mm. other person who's doing a lot of the lyrics and it's like a real collaboration. The problem is it feels overstuffed. To me, like it's it's a lot. But forced? No, not forced. No, just a lot. It's a long album with lots of long songs, and even those long songs have lots of lyrics. Like I said before, with like two or three songs worth of lyrics, and so like I think it's a really great album. Like I don't think that makes it bad or anything like that. But it would be rare. It'd be really rare for me to sit down and listen to this whole thing as one piece, and. Get, like get absorbed into every single song because you've, you've got to do the research you've got to go and find yeah. all these things about 
Like mm-hmm. we could do this one or we could do that one. It was, it just, it ends. And like, so it's one of the things where it's not the sort of thing where I go, oh, I would just shorten this song or I'd make this song have 50% less political references or whatever like that. Like it, 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 it's not the sort of thing where you change it because that's obviously so purely who they are and what they want to do. But for me, looking at the whole album, I would be like, I'd be loath to listen to the whole thing again and even with any kind of regularity because it's just like, it's so much and such an onslaught Content about so rich. much really different things. So <laughs> I loved it and I'm going to go and try and check out some more of their stuff, but I wouldn't, I couldn't call it flawless. That's fair enough. And it gets easier after this. Yeah. <laughs> it does get easier after this. Yeah. And, um, I, and I reckon, like I find an intriguing choice. Mm. Um, sorry, so you finished. Maybe. Yes, I'm finished. That was yeah, me done. Awesome. Thank you, Mr. Liam. Mr. Grantle. Look, it's not an easy album, guys. No. And we've, you know, you've said it as, as much and, and, and you've got a cathartic experience and mm. probably an affirmation from um, the album in relation to the challenges you didn't, weren't even probably necessarily aware of at the time. And like, you're like, oh, shit, look, look, look at these big themes around weight loss in particular. And you've researched this and it got you into underage clubs, which is an awesome achievement in and of itself. Yeah, go me. <laughs> like, flip, yes, okay. Like, come on, guys. You've done good work here. Yeah. Um, I like the bookend of it. I thought opening tracks, like double ticks with yes and, and closing with PCP. In between, there's like, wow, you can't hear some of the words. You've got to research mm-hmm. for the lyrics. I'm like, geez, guys. Um, and I liked some of the themes. And I, I saw a lot of the everything must go. Some of these tracks could go boom. And I'm like, yes. you know. And I probably, I, I'm going to say no because I, I liked when there was the familiarity that I'd seen in the, in the next album. Um, and so whilst, yeah, it was good and there were some really cool tracks in here and it's awesome to go have gone back, um, I'm going to say no because I, it was like patchy and the, the lyrics uh, I didn't hear sometimes. Um, and I, I did struggle with that long intro with the intense humming of evil, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> You're literally cringing right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, man. Um, but they're cool guys and I'm so glad that they helped you. So mm. it's a no for me yeah, and thank you I, for bringing it. I definitely want to say thanks, George, for bringing it because I feel like it wasn't an easy album for you to talk about. No. To talk to. So yeah. thank you very much for nominating. It's, it's been a really great. Yeah. It is really good. Oh, yes. But awesome. I feel like your personal feelings wouldn't have made this the easiest one for you to take but, notes on and be thinking that you're like to talk about. But I also had to listen so. to it with like flawless ears, not yes. just with George's ears. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that's cool. So that's why I brought it. So nice. well, we didn't get this one over the line, but I would like to thank my co-hosts and I would like to thank everyone for listening. We have Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We are Flawless AMP on all of those. So join the conversation, share or like our posts, give us a rating. I don't know just send us a message and say hi and every little bit helps us to find more music lovers like you mm-hmm. as mentioned we have a patreon patreon.com slash flawless amp if you'd like to back us check us out and thanks again for listening we'll see you next time